Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend and Sports Illustrated staff writer, Rohan Nadkarni. Rohan, how was your weekend, my man? It was great. It was another weekend spent in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm, your favorite place in the world. Uh, it was under 100 degrees in Phoenix this weekend, and it fe- I felt like a whole new man. I just felt like that Marilyn Monroe photo statue. You know the one. You know the one. I felt like that <laughs> all weekend, you know, 99 degrees, a slight breeze. Mm-hmm. Uh, just had a lovely time in Phoenix. In all seriousness, what a privilege it was to be at Game 5. Like, I had an incredible time, as you can imagine. We're all standing up on our feet watching those last two minutes. Uh, So that was incredible. Now I'm back here uh, in sunny Los Angeles. Uh, You know, Mike, it's funny. Something else I did this weekend, and I'm not trying to pick on you, but people have been talking about this might be the greatest, uh, you know, one of the best finals of the last 10 years, right? One of the final best finals last 15 years. So, you know, House of Highlights, they post all these like full series highlights, full game highlights. And I love to go back and watch the highlights from certain finals games. Mm-hmm. And I was watching highlights from game seven of the 2010 NBA finals. All right. We and- need to cut, cut, <laughs> cut everything. It's well, all over. It's <laughs> Wrap just, it up. <laughs> I, it's just funny to think about because. That had the quote-unquote trappings of all, you know, what you want, right? Game 7, two legendary franchises, look at the talent all over the floor. That game was bad, okay? That game was bad. It's like 53-49 in the third quarter. It was a rock it, fight. It was a rock fight. And that's not, and I'm not saying all rock fights are bad, but it it really just illustrates how great this finals has been in terms of shot making. The level of execution is so high that you don't need two marquee franchises and a bunch of 
recognizable Hall of Famers to have a great basketball series, and this has been a great basketball series. Yeah, real quick. Um, I don't know if our listeners know, but I have never rewatched Game 7 of the 2010 Finals, and I never, <laughs> ever will. But I do recall um, – I mean, it, it was just a completely different NBA. Yes, right? like the yes. the lineups that are out there. You've got like Bynum and Gasol all playing together. <laughs> Rasheed Wallace post ups. The amount of yeah. Bynum and Gasol together is really, really hilarious. I and for the record, I've never seen the last four minutes of the 2011 NBA Finals. I couldn't tell you what happened in the there last four minutes of that game. Yeah, so I know yeah. I know how you feel. I won't spoil it for you. Um, <laughs> well, th- thank you for starting this episode on such a dour note, Rohan. Um, we uh, before I'm sorry. Before we start, quick programming note for our listeners. Uh, thanks to the final schedule, uh, we're going to record. Normally, re- we record on Thursday afternoons, Chris and I, but we're actually going to be recording on Wednesday this week because of you know Tuesday night is uh, Game Six and. We don't want to wait too long to kind of react to that. And Thursday is Game 7 if necessary. Um, But we'll also have a special guest for that episode. And spoiler alert, Rohan, you are that special guest joining me and Chris. I cannot wait. Um, Do you have anything to say about how excited you are? I'm super excited. And just to, you know, let our awesome listeners a little in behind the curtain so to speak i'm really trying to get the group chat between me you and chris going as i think you've noticed <laughs> you are. i'm you really are. making a lot of effort in there and so i'm excited to bring that dynamic uh, to the podcast and people can see uh what the three of us are really like uh you know in real life so i'm, I'm no, definitely that, very excited that's gonna be a lot of fun i can't wait um a- apologies for not responding to your texts rohan <laughs> i'll do better in the future uh, You've been doing get... a great job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. We're going to save it for Wednesday. Um, we have a lot to get to on today's show, including, of course, more finals coverage, previewing Game 6, uh, analyzing Game 5, and also, we haven't yet covered the Kawhi Leonard ACL surgery news. I know that was last week, but it feels very important, so we're going to touch on that later in the episode. But first, I want to say thanks to everyone for sending in all those wonderful emails to openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Over the past few days, they've been super. Please keep them coming. We're going to kick off today's show with one we actually got from longtime listener Thaddeus, who has a question about Team USA. So we're going to touch base on that real quick. And Thaddeus writes, hey, Open Floor, I know the Kevin Love pick was dragged. They don't have control over guys saying no, and they have no control over Beal being out or Grant maybe being out. But how did Team USA do such a bad job picking the roster? It's just a travesty that with all the resources available to them, not having two guys due to COVID might be a legitimate issue. And Thaddeus, as as usual, his email is much longer than this and much more detailed and much more wonderful than... Um, what I read, but essentially he goes on to name a few other candidates that we'll get into: John Morant, Trey Young, De'Aaron Fox, Gordon Hayward, Harrison Barnes, etc. Um, so you know, Rohan, I'll just throw it to you. Team USA loses Brad Beal and Kevin Love. Um, they add Javale McGee and Keldon Johnson, who actually played pretty well in their exhibition last night against Spain. But what is your, mm, I guess, like? Concern level might be the right phrase, just confusion level. <laughs> what, what, what are you feeling about Team USA these days? 
I think my biggest takeaway, Mike, and it's funny, I actually had this conversation a little bit with our colleague Chris Mannix as well. My biggest takeaway is that it feels like they're repeating the cycle that got them to the 2008 team. If you remember 2004, kind of a haphazardly thrown together team. They had the Hall of Fame coach in Larry Brown, but no one really seemed to be enjoying it, etc. And, you know, they end up not winning gold. And the world's only gotten so much better, so much deeper since then. And then I think the USA is in a position where, once again, the very top guys, they did it for a couple cycles, and it's lost its luster a little bit. How does Kevin Love get on the team? To me, the bigger mystery is Trey Young. It seems his tweet would indicate that he wanted to go, and somehow he didn't get the call. That makes no sense to me. Uh, not to pick on Greg Popovich and stand up for my guy, but you remember at the World Championships, uh, they sent Bam home and, and kept a, a Plumley brother, I believe, over him. I, they and Miles some, Turner, yeah. Yeah, they've made some strange decisions, I think, roster-wise, since Pop kind of took over the program. So I, I don't... I just feel like a lot of people are saying no, and I think we're right back to where we were in 2004 that kind of kicked off the overhaul of USA basketball where it feels like the top, top players, once again, aren't as interested in it. I think it will frankly take a bad loss or a bad Olympics or two before that cycle comes back where top players are like, okay, now we want to come in and and kind of right the ship again. It, It... and then on top of that, the last two seasons of NBA basketball have been incredibly mentally and physically draining to a degree that I don't know why they would expect anyone wants to go to Tokyo right now, where the situation is also seems to be, you know, incredibly taxing. So I guess none of this is that surprising to me. Okay, so... I am a little surprised, frankly, and I'm not, I'm not surprised from the perspective of what you just said, that mm-hmm. a lot of guys would want to relax, take a vacation, um, not just overextend their bodies and their minds after such two, two really, really difficult seasons that they have never experienced before. So, you know, James Harden sitting out, um, Steph Curry sitting out, Chris Paul sitting out, LeBron James uh, wouldn't have been able to walk the red carpet for Space Jam too if he was a part of Team USA. So. At a hotel, on a cardboard bed in Tokyo. Does LeBron exactly. get a special sized cardboard bed? What are they doing for the NBA players? They're not staying in the Olympic Village. Let's just let's not pretend. So I, I from that perspective, I'm not surprised. I am surprised. That, like you said, Trey Young tweets like a crying tear emoji that he wasn't selected, and John ja Morant tweets, you know, basically he's he's upset as well that they didn't give him a second look. So I am surprised that Keldon Johnson, who I think there are people who watch the NBA fairly closely. Um, and I'm not going to call out any names, but there was someone <laughs> who was in a DM thread with me who covers the league who did not know what team Keldon Johnson <laughs> played for, um, which I don't want to drag this person, so I won't, but that's kind of funny to me. But it speaks to the larger point that this is Keldon Johnson, right? He has yeah. he's a forward for the San Antonio Spurs who I thought he had a pretty good season, but I mean, 
being selected for Team USA to actually compete in the Olympics is another thing. And then obviously JaVale McGee is JaVale McGee. Um, nothing against him. He's a multiple time champion, but a little surprising to see him be the guy who, when you talk about some of these other names out there, that he's selected and replacing Kevin Love on the team. And for Kevin Love to be even selected in the first place, it's just, it's, it's, maybe, yeah, I don't even know what Maybe to say. Pop just loves content. Maybe he was <laughs> doing it. Like he's been, uh, he felt bad for all the times he singed the media. So he's like, let me do him a solid and we'll put JaVale in Tokyo. Can I tell you what my fix for Team USA would be? Is the answer Zion Williamson? Because that's my, I mean, that's my answer. <laughs> that's also continue good. with yours. Well, he, he fits <laughs> into the framework of what my answer is. Okay. People, I'm going to get, people are going to be like, this is dumb. It should be all players who are 28 or younger. Because the Jaws and Trays of the world are the people who really want to go. I think you can get them to commit to a cycle or two. And then you are already kind of creating a pipeline for the next cycle. And you know who those players are going to be. I just think it's going to be easier to get commitments where you kind of got, I wouldn't say lucky, but you know, somehow it came back into fashion there with like the LeBron Wade, Kobe, you know, 2018. I don't know. If you're going to be able to recreate that, unless you like have these embarrassing losses in between, I, that to me, that's just how I would do it. I, I, this is also, I think, my perspective is just a little bit different because, you know, I'm an immigrant. I, I wasn't born in the U.S. I'm a citizen. I'm a dual citizen, though, and I'm just like, what is the United States like gaining from flexing its like sheer dominance in basketball every four years? Like, I obviously understand the goal is to win, but like. I just don't understand what it proves if you said, like, LeBron, Kevin Durant, Chris Bosh, like, Dwayne Wade. Like, obviously that team's going to win. Like, to me, it's like, yeah, like, it's more important to grow the game almost, and I think it would be just cooler to send those guys. I think that you could actually put teams together, too, that would want to practice together in offseason, et cetera, and that would look more similar to what some of these international teams look, at least in terms of a – continuity standpoint as silly as that sounds because there's an age limit on it but yeah I, I just don't know I've never I've never been like that invested in the idea that like Team USA has to win every game by like 80 points like that's never been that interesting to me I'm not invested in the blowouts either I don't think that makes for exciting basketball but we haven't I mean there have been some tight gold medal games yeah particularly I mean when Kobe had to lead Team USA back I, I, I'm honestly blanking on if that was 12 or 08 um, I believe it was but, 08 I believe it was 08 but uh, I mean I think about like in 96 when I was like a little kid and that was one of the first basketball teams that I really loved like I loved the second dream team so much and I had a David Robinson jersey and so I, I think about like kids getting excited and like I don't know if I was like a kid speaking to your point like I want to watch Zion I want to watch Trey Young I want to watch John Moran I don't I, like I mean shout out to Jason Tatum who's on the team um shout out to everyone who is on the team and the fact that we didn't even bring up that Devin Booker Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton that's gonna be a are, hilarious trip uh, let me just yeah. say that Devin Booker to his credit seems really excited to go he's been asked about it a couple times um, during the finals, and he's like not wavered on that commitment for a second. He seems really thrilled, and that's that's really cool. How how badly he wants to play for Team USA, and all those guys you mentioned, all under twenty eight, so they all work uh, in the Rohan plan. I'm just throwing that out there. 
Yes, except for Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. But that's true. Well, you know, Zion, <laughs> Zion, Trey, yeah, Ja, Devin. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I'm just teasing you, Rohan. I love you. <laughs> um, okay, is there anything else you have to say about? I mean, are you expecting them to to win the gold, or like, are you expecting disappointment? Just what what do you anticipate now after what you've seen from the exhibition games? This is pure like gas baggery from me. Just like pure takeism, like shooting from the hip because. I don't follow international basketball all that closely. I'm sorry. Like, people are always like, what? And I'm like, I watch the NBA. Like, I got my hands full with the NBA. I'm already watching old NBA games. supposed to watch international games, too. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm the expert here. I, at this point, expect them to medal, I guess. But I, I'm not sure that a gold is is guaranteed. It just feels like... Those international teams that have continuity and guys who've played with each other for a while, if they were ever going to have an upper hand, it would be in a year as strange as this one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm expecting a team that has Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard on it to win every game that they play. That's just, you know, these guys are like, if you get into a crunch time situation and you have. I know that Olympic basketball is a little bit different, but if you get into a crunch time situation and those two are on your team, like forget about everybody else who's super talented on this roster, but like just those two alone, I'm just like, okay, they're going to hit every single shot down the stretch and they'll win. Um, All that said, I am pseudo rooting primarily for Australia. Like I I love the Australian team. I'm kind of rooting for Nigeria. They got, first of all, they're loaded up with heat culture in Precious oh, Achua and Gabe Vincent. You can just see the heat culture flowing through their veins. Uh, but they're, they're an exciting team. That was a fun win they had. They're a fun team. So sure. yeah. You see Precious pull it up, hitting those threes from the top of the key, just boosting up his trade value before the summer. Pat Riley loving it. Uh, yeah. No, but I'm with you. They're like some really fun international teams. Spain, Rudy Fernandez is still playing for Spain. That's incredible. It is. So is Pau Gasol. <laughs> That's which right. I was stunned by that. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, but shout out to him. Shout out to Marc Gasol. Ricky Rubio always looks right. so. My favorite Ricky Rubio is is Spain basketball. Ricky Rubio. Yeah, the, and that's another thing. Like the international teams, like the non USA teams, are so much more fun and like a way better collection of. That guy's still playing? Like, that's what I want. That's what I look forward to. My last note is I honestly, um, I honestly, when I watch Jason Tatum play on Team USA, I'm like <laughs> super excited that he is a starter on the team and all that. And he's become, you know, a top 12 player in the world. But I'm also kind of like, I really, I, I, I'm watching through like my fingers, like I, I it, the possibility of an injury. I just like I can't. If he like gets injured, I just I don't even want to say it out loud. But that's in the back of my head when I watch him on Team USA, and it makes me very anxious. So I, I can't even really do it that closely. So that's basically my my take right now on on Team USA. Just be healthy, Jason Tatum. That's all we care about. Come home safe. Um, Speaking of, you're going to love this transition. Speaking of being safe okay, um, and staying healthy, we got to talk about Kawhi Leonard's ACL surgery. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, that was a pro's pro four, transition four out of, right four there. Four out of ten transition. <laughs> you might as well have hit us with like a blur effect from iMovie. Uh, <laughs> Just a whoosh across the screen. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so Kawhi Leonard, you know, there was speculation when he hurt his knee that it was related to the ACL. And those initial reports uh, came to be true as he had surgery to repair a partially torn ACL, suffered in the second round against the Utah Jazz. Um, We don't know what the timetable is necessarily that will keep Kawhi out of action, but if you look at some other players who've suffered similar injuries in the past, it could go between six months and a full year, frankly, which would not be good news for the Los Angeles Clippers. So as all of our listeners know, I'm sure Kawhi Leonard is... Um, eligible to become an unrestricted free agent should he choose. And my question to you, Rohan, is basically, you know, now that we have this information regarding his knee and we have a clearer idea of just how serious it is, if he opts out and um, just wants the max immediately, if you're the Clippers, just what what position do you see yourself being in? Um, Is it harder for you to, you know, immediately you know, print out the contract and give him the pen? Or is there any second guessing whatsoever? Just what are you thinking about with, with, with Kawhi's situation right now? Well, I think the, the interesting thing here is it's how should the Clippers handle it and how will they handle it? How do I think they'll handle it? I think Kawhi is getting the full max no matter what. I don't think they're going to blink. You know, we saw the Nets do it with Kevin Durant when he was coming off the torn Achilles and wasn't going to play that entire first season. He gets the full max. There's no question. It's announced right when free agency starts, etc. And there are no, as far as we know, there's no injury provision or anything like that in that contract. Obviously, Kawhi, to an extent, has a worse injury. I don't know how, I mean, Durant's had missed time before with his foot fracture, etc., you know, Kawhi's in an interesting position. He, he had that weird ghost year with the Spurs. You know, his year in Toronto, first year in L.A., was on a very regimented rest uh, schedule. There are some red flags slash concerns there, but you also know that when he's playing like he was in the playoffs this year, I, the Clippers would have, you know, if the Nets are hurt, the Clippers are probably winning the finals. Even if the Nets are healthy, they're probably the best team uh, to match up with the Nets. Uh, they looked like arguably the best team in the playoffs. Eh, maybe not, but they looked really good. They looked really primed to win a title this year when Kawhi was healthy. And if that's you know your ceiling with him, I think you give yourself as many bites as the apple as you can get. And that means, I think, having him on a long-term deal. But I do agree it's it's not as simple as they will make it seem only because he does have a little bit of a checkered injury injury history. And then on top of that, you mentioned, we don't know the timetable. I think Kawhi's made it clear. He's going to kind of work on his own timetable. And I, I understand that from his perspective, you know, players probably should be more cautious with their injuries, but does that make it tricky to kind of understand what you're getting from him? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. So, 
real quick, Kawhi's options, just the, the financial details, he can opt in to his deal and then extend and add four years. So that would be $217.5 million through the 2026 season. Or he can decline the option, enter unrestricted free agency, and then sign a four-year deal with the Clippers for $176.2 million. That's according to ESPN's Bobby Marks. Um, I don't, you know, I, I did want to talk about this because I do, anytime one of the best players in the world tears his ACL or has a partially torn ACL or whatever this is, um, that's just a humongous deal because it tilts the the power structure of the entire league you know the the clippers are not a contender without Kawhi leonard um at 100 percent. they just they just aren't he's a great player and they gave up everything to get him that said i i I don't necessarily think that this is that complicated from the clippers perspective i would give Kawhi whatever he wants in part because I don't have any plan B here. It's not like, okay, uh, sayonara, Kawhi, let's now use all of our assets and try to get another superstar next to Paul George. It's like, is I, that's, that's not what the deal is here. Um, so I guess you just got to have a lot of faith in your, your medical staff and have faith in Kawhi's body and him disciplining himself and coming back stronger than ever and hoping that, you know, his best days aren't behind him. He did look like the best or the second best player in the entire playoffs before he got hurt. I don't think that there will be a significant drop-off going forward. His game should age tremendously. He's just a mid-range assassin. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're the Clippers, you re-sign Kawhi Leonard and you hope that this is more of a six-month injury than a full year, which would, I, you know, I think that that could derail next year's um, um, is there aspirations any, to win the title. Is there any world in which you'd shop him? You mean after I sign him or... Yeah. Or he opts like, in. Do or he, Blake or he, Griffin he, again, you mean? Or he only opts in. Yeah, you know, maybe he opts in on the one year. Is there any world in which you shop him? No. I mean, I, you're, you're asking like the wrong person. I love Kawhi. <laughs> He's like one of my favorite players and... No, I think he's one of those, one of the few, one of the five, six guys in the league who, no matter what situation he's in, almost that team is a title contender. So, no, I would not do it. I would not shop Kawhi. I'd be very happy with him, and I'd be very happy with seeing, um, you know, Paul George, this version of Paul George, who kind of um, resuscitated his reputation a little bit. Coming back with a healthy Kawhi, I think that that is the best team in the Western Conference for sure. So it is going to be very interesting to see how this uh, situation plays out because, as strange as it is, I think a lot of people want to know like Kawhi's San Antonio season just remains such a total mystery, right? And I, I just think it's created like a fascination. Like, how's this? How's it going to go this time? Uh, it's going to be interesting. I really enjoy watching that Clippers team. I thought they were a lot of fun to watch when they were like just going small. And they were thrilling to watch in the playoffs when fully healthy. So I, I hope they get a chance to run it back. I'm, I'm with you. I do think that they'll re-sign them. And I think that they're a great team. But, you know, I just hope that Kawhi is able to come back. And we don't it, – it's a shame, really, that we lost that year from him after how well he had played the year before. So So hopefully it's not that scenario again. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play okay so enough burying the lead we got the finals to talk about rohan um thank you for our listeners for for you know trudging through the mud of team usa and Kawhi <laughs> leonard injury news but the finals are just stupendous i mean saturday night's game game five was another instant classic ended on you know, I, I thought that the block could not be topped. And then we have Drew Holiday ripping the ball from Devin Booker, going the length of the floor and throwing one of the ballsiest lobs in the history of basketball to Giannis at the Takumpo, who was fouled by Chris Paul on the play. Uh, that was, it's just. So I, what are we calling it? I think we're, I'm calling the Drew steal of the gamble, <laughs> personally. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling it the gamble, but that's just me. But now we have a whole sequence. So I don't know if it's like a the the steal and blank or the rip and blank. I, it's unfortunately there's not a lot of words that you know you can use in place of dunk that rhyme with rip or steal or strip. You know, so 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 I was buried mercilessly on <laughs> Twitter for my uh, suggested nickname for Giannis's block. So I'm I'm sitting out all discussion oh, this, from this point forward about nicknames. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought that, you know, some people were a little harsh, a.k.a. you, um, in my mentions, <laughs> and I didn't really appreciate it. So, no, you're not getting any more of this okay. genius when okay. it comes to nickname <laughs> ideas. I'm sorry. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we'll stick to the gamble for now, but. Uh, maybe we'll get some emails. I'm sure we'll get some listener feedback. We'll see what happens. Okay, so game five, again, another classic. Uh, Devin Booker drops 40. Um, Giannis was stupendous in the fourth quarter, 12 points. Uh, could have been more if he made his free throws. 
My question to you coming out of this game, my first one, Rohan, do you feel like this series, and I feel a little silly, honestly, saying this, but do you feel like this series is over? No. <laughs> Listen, the Suns were right there in the last two games, okay? Those are two back-to-back coin flip games that the Suns just happened to lose, and they've been one of the best clutch teams all season, you know, close games. They typically play very well. You know, I was watching the fourth quarter again yesterday, and something that really caught me off guard, and it's easy to kind of forget this, you know, this is going to sound insane. I love going to these games, obviously. It can be a little, like, harder to keep track of things when you're there in person just because the crowd is so loud. There's so much going on. There's, like... Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, there's way more stimuli, you know what I mean, when you're just watching at home and it's just, you know, me, the TV, and Mike Breen. But... Rewatching that fourth quarter, I was really impressed with the Suns' resilience in that fourth quarter. You know, first they're coming in with a big deficit. They come all the way back, I think, from down 14 points. Chris Middleton hits a huge three with, I think, it's 114-107 with around like three minutes and 30 seconds left. Chris Middleton hits a huge three. It's 117-107. They go down. They score five straight quick points. Uh, the Bucks hit another three. I, I think they're up. Uh, 120, 112, and the Suns go on a 7-0 run in like the final two minutes. Like they kept coming back at the end of that game, and they were so close to pulling it off. Chris Paul has a huge fourth quarter after not really playing well for the first three, which I'm sure we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they even were like one Devin Booker like momentary hesitation away from taking the lead in that fourth quarter. We're talking about like one of the most impressive, gutsiest, improbable comebacks in finals history. And it took like Booker getting triple teamed and like the most perfectly timed steal uh, all season to lose that game. So I don't think the series is over because the Suns have been right there. And we saw in that fourth quarter the mental resilience it takes them to lose a 16-point lead, 30-point turnaround, now you're down 14, and you keep throwing punches, down 10, three minutes to go. How many teams are, you know, finished in that situation? So I think it's far from over. I agree with you. I will say, though, I feel like the Suns have such a slimmer margin for error right now. So what I mean by that is DeAndre Ayton has to basically just play the entire game now and match minutes with Giannis. And he has to play regardless of, you know, if Brooke Lopez is on the floor. You know, they tried, Phoenix tried to, um, when they went small with Aiton, who played, by the way, more minutes than everybody in game five. Like, I I, I really don't think people understand how ridiculous that is. The Sarge um, injury is... Aiton, it's huge. Aiton had good... Counting numbers. I don't. I think that was one of his least impactful games all playoffs. It, you know, he didn't have one of those stretches where you're just like, every game it feels like there's a moment where you're like, what are they going to do with Aiton right now? He never had that moment in Game Five. No, that's a great point. I, I it's taken a huge toll on him. I think. Right, and you know he's running up and down the floor. He's a seven footer at, at least, um, running up and down the floor, battling, setting screens, trying to get rebounds, and. It's just it's it's really tough, especially when the Bucks are small with Giannis at the five. Um, so, like 
they're trying to steal these minutes where they go small all together with um, with Tory Craig. Those were kind of a disaster in Game Five. And honestly, like I don't, I'm not expecting this to happen. But the fact that Milwaukee is so dominant on the offensive glass, I do wonder if Monty Williams is thinking about playing Frank Kaminsky with Aiton. So there um, was a moment in the third quarter towards the end when Kaminsky got off the bench and it looked like he was going to check in the game and then Monty called him back. I don't think that he would have come in with Aiton there. I would have been a little surprised. It felt mm-hmm. to me like one of those, let's get this guy a minute before the next quarter starts. And But that would be interesting. So I do think Monty's at least considering getting Frank back in this series, but he ended up not playing at all in game five. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, Frank Kaminsky. I think if they if he they brought him in with Aiton, you know, that's a lineup that Phoenix is comfortable playing. I think that they just they did it a lot during the regular season. He started at the four when Jay Crowder was out, and I don't know, like, do you jumbo it up and play Crowder, Kaminsky, Aiton, um, Cam, or Mikhail and and Devin Booker, like? Is that a line? I know, obviously, we're not talking for uh, forever with this lineup because it doesn't have Chris Paul in it. But like, is that something that you're going to do to really address what has been the most important little like miniature battle within the war in this series, which is the glass and how second chance opportunities are really dictating a lot of and leading to a lot of Milwaukee's success generally? Um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but like beyond that, yeah, it's like these two games we we needed historic plays for Milwaukee to win. And and on on top of that, sorry Mike, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I just I have to mention it. Like the second quarter, the Bucks are down sixteen and they essentially cut the lead to two in six minutes, and Giannis is off the floor for that entire stretch. I'm confident that that will never happen again. <laughs> like that wouldn't, you know, that was such an outlier six-minute stretch of basketball where Booker's off the floor and the Suns are getting killed and Giannis is off the floor and the Bucks are going on this giant run. Your your boy, Bobby Portis, has a huge sequence in there where he gets a Pat Connaughton miss, misses the shot, gets his own rebound, put back, and one. Next possession comes down, gets a three, gives the Bucks the lead. You know... <laughs> This series is changing so much from game to game that I, I just hesitate to say one team has a clear advantage. I think the Bucks overall are like plus three over the course of the entire series or uh, plus two or something like that. It's just been so mm-hmm. incredibly tight. Yeah, I mean, the, the start of the second quarter, you said it is when I mean, a lot of people were looking to that after the game ended. They go on a 16 to 3 run in the first three minutes and 20 seconds of the quarter. Like, yeah. it's just with Giannis on the bench, as you said, like, that's just never going to happen ever again. Um, yeah. And I don't know, like, where do you want to go from here in discussing this game and, and just like what stood out to you? I mean, I will say that. Drew Holiday before the series began, and this is in the world where I thought that Giannis was not going to play at all. But Drew Holiday was like a prime uh, Finals MVP candidate for me because of the way he can impact basketball games. And I tweeted this after the game: like Drew Holiday is the Finals MVP to me. 
obviously Giannis is going to win Finals MVP if uh, if the Bucks win, barring just a ridiculous like sixty point performance by Drew in Game Six or something. But his defense on um, Chris Paul since Game One is really like the story, one of the stories of the series to me. Yeah, one of the most important matchups by far, and we've talked about this a ton, but. He is wearing down Chris Paul. I think it is it is clear just when you're gra- watching the gradual progression um, from quarter to quarter, and when Drew has to go on to Devin Booker, Chris Paul is then able to like cook a little bit. And you saw him in the fourth quarter, as you said, um, hit some ridiculous shots. I mean, Chris Paul. But I was texting someone during the game. Um, Chris Paul needs to be one of the three best players in this series for Phoenix to win. And I don't know, you know, I'll throw it to you just what you thought about his performance, generally speaking, in game five and then in the previous two or three games. But he has definitely not been one of the three best players in in this series. Right. Well, first of all, let me say that Giannis is the MVP before... You know, someone Not finds Cam that, Johnson <laughs> before someone finds that clip and then tries <laughs> to lump us in with like the people who think Giannis doesn't have a bag and shouldn't when he's the MVP. Okay, CJ McCollum, Spencer Dinwiddie, whoever else is tweeting about it. Giannis is the MVP, rightfully so. All the Bucks' success stems from him, and he's incredible, and I love him, and he gives awesome answers in press conferences and seems like a great guy. So. Giannis is the MVP. Drew Holiday has been incredible. I completely agree with your assessment in terms of he's, I think, been their second most impactful player just on both ends of the floor. Obviously, he's struggled on offense for the most of the series, but then game five, he shoots incredibly well, and he's hitting step step backs, and he's 13 assists, and Pat Connaughton's also shooting out his mind. So there's a lot of things that Phoenix, I think, can look at and be like, if one of these things goes our way, maybe we win. In terms of Chris Paul... You know, he's one of my all-time favorite players. I, people are saying his shove on Giannis at the end was dirty. Like, when you were watching that in dirty. real time, what? people were like, he's pushing him in midair. Like, people love to take a screenshot of something and be like, look at this. And I'm like, at nobody at the arena that night watching that in real time, like, there's no grumbling. No, it was not a dirty Can I just play. say, let me tell you what that was. That was, okay. First of all, I don't think anybody expected a lob to get thrown. <laughs> yeah. Like that was, it's like that that play was out of it was out of out of outer space. Yeah. Like I, it was ridiculous. But if you're Chris Paul, what you're trying to do there is put this guy on the. They're in the bonus, so he's just trying to foul Giannis, yes. put him on the line. Like he's not expecting Giannis to somehow reach up 18 feet <laughs> in the air right. and throw that lob down. I mean, that was just a basic like heads up play. I thought. Dirty never even crossed my mind. Realistically, what's funny is it wasn't really a heads-up play because you want Giannis to make that dunk and then it's still a one-possession game and then it turned into a whole thing. But anyway, let's focus back on Paul. First of all, fourth quarter, he's incredible. 4-4, hits a couple threes. One possession where he's driving into the paint. Giannis has switched onto him. You know, he kind of snakes into the paint sneaks out onto the right block, shoots over Giannis, and hits a very tough two. Like, again, if they had won, we're talking about Chris Paul, like, what a heroic, you know, he didn't have it, but somehow found a way in the fourth quarter type of performance. I do think he looks like he's laboring. Like, I'm just watching his face at these games, and you can kind of see that 
look on his face where he feels like he's really gritting through this during the first three quarters. Like he's laboring. It looks like, and I think Holiday certainly deserves some credit for that. I think we're definitely going to find out about some kind of injury after this series is done because to me for the first three quarters, he just didn't look right. I think in the first half of game five, he only played something like 15 minutes. Uh, Monty had his minutes really low. I wasn't at the Suns press conference. I was at the Bucks one. I, it wasn't clear to me if that was intentional to keep his minutes so low. So he'd be fresh for the fourth. But to me, he, he not only is holiday playing great defense, I just think Paul also has not looked physically the same as he did in game one. Paul's minutes were in my notes for sure. The fact that he only played 35 when, you know, you look at some of his teammates, you look at, um, you know, Devin Booker plays 42, Aiton, we just said, played 45, basically. And then you look across the line and it's like Drew Holiday's playing 42, Giannis is playing 40, Chris Middleton's playing 45, um, Pat Connaughton's playing 34. <laughs> so yeah. it's just like Chris Paul is Who one had of Chris the most. Chris Paul and Pat Connaughton playing practically the same number of minutes in a finals game. Right. It's That's pretty wild. So, you know, he did play the entire fourth quarter, Chris Paul did. And as you said, he was excellent in it. But he was drifting throughout the game. And in those minutes when Devin Booker is on the bench at the start of the second quarter, Chris Paul's on the floor. And so you would. Well, they haven't been good in the solo Paul minutes in this series. And that's a huge change from what it was like during the regular season when the Suns had a positive net rating when Paul was on the floor and Booker was not. Obviously, the finals is a different level of competition, but that's made a huge difference for them. They can't win the non Booker minutes. It's been a theme, I think, for the entire playoffs, too. Like when Booker's on the floor, the offense just craters, regardless if Paul is on the floor or not. And so I don't know what, you know, you can go back and look at those minutes as circumstantial, but like, does Chris Paul need to be more aggressive scoring? Does he need to just, I I don't even know. I think he does. I do think you can make an argument for him to look for his shot a little bit more, particularly he was on the floor, I believe, for much of that six minute stretch in the second. And it didn't necessarily feel like he was looking for his offense then. At the same time, what's funny is I do think Booker's... Part of what makes the Suns great is that they have so much depth. They have these shooters. They You can't cheat off of them like the Bucks did in Game 2. Otherwise, they'll go nuts. You have to you know, do something about Aiton as a role man. You know, Booker has obviously... In no way am I trying to say he's negatively impacting this team... At the same time, I do think it's like fair to wonder is like what's the best version of the Suns? Is it the nights when Booker goes off or is it the nights when there's a little bit more balance to the offense? Here's all I'll say is when we were talking to Drew Holiday about the steal, he said something. He was like, we all knew Booker was going to shoot it. Now, to a degree, that's true about every team in the clutch, right? But... I think there was an element of tunnel vision he had on that last play where he also he I don't think he ever considered I'm going to pass the ball like I'm going to I'm going to create the best shot for my team versus I'm going to create the best shot for myself. So he drives into the paint, he sees two guys. He spins back, but even in that moment it, it never felt like he was going to pass, right? And I think that's what 
maybe gave Holiday the confidence to kind of come in. I mean, he said, I thought he was going to shoot it. I was going to contest the shot. And then he turned right into me. I'm not saying that, like, that's the reason why they lost this game. I mean, you could argue that they're only in this game because of Devin Booker. But there was, like, a slight element of tunnel vision that he had on that play that I think you could apply to certain possessions where you have to wonder, like, is this the most effective, you know, way for the Suns to win? Yeah, so I actually went back and I looked at um, some of the clutch numbers from Phoenix in the playoffs during the regular season um, because I was interested in that quote that Drew um, had as well. And Phoenix's assist rate, you know, Phoenix is a pretty high assist rate team in general. In the clutch, um, they ranked 24th in the NBA in the regular season, only 46.3%. I'm not going to be critical of Devin Booker really at all. I think that his, I mean, his shot making is the reason, as you said, that they were in that game. Exactly. And listen, he has so many possessions where he also creates something out of nothing. He's so good at using his right shoulder to create space. I love watching the battle between him and Drew. And I like that they're letting Holiday be a little aggressive with him on the perimeter. But in turn, they're letting Booker be aggressive with him as well. There's a shot he has. I, I wish I could remember the time and score, but I don't. But he's, you know, Booker's driving baseline. Drew is draped all over his right arm. Booker just, like, leans, gives him the shove. Shugs him right off. Shoulder. Yeah. And, you know, just bounces Drew off like a, a, a I don't know, like a, a go-kart or bumper car or something, and then just rises up and takes a shot. Um, it's like the Buzz Lightyear game at Universal where you're in the cars. That's what it was like. And it was just awesome. Like, he's so good at creating those little, like, nooks and crannies of space. It's not easy to bump someone with the same arm you're about to shoot it with. Like, and he's just so nifty. uh, Yeah, and like I said, I think that in reality he kept them in the game. But then I think the Bucs used that against him on that last possession. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet... There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. So quick little trivia for you. Uh, how many assists do you think the Phoenix Suns have total in this series in crunch time? Wow. I mean, I'm pulling a number completely out of thin air here. I'll go with three. Zero. Zero. Oh, I, I was like, he won't go zero on me. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, and um, it, and it, it makes sense to an extent, right? Because you're putting Poker and Paul in pick and rolls, and at that point they're probably hunting switches or their mid-range shot. And I do think part of that in the Suns' defense has to do with, I think in after game two the Bucks were like, we're not going to help off their shooters as much. And those have been the two, the you know, the clutch moments have come since then. So I think that's playing into it. But yeah, I that that's what I'm saying. It's like they need to find a way to get those shooters involved. They're probably, they need to be taking more threes. Yeah, I think that Milwaukee's defense, as you said, has done a terrific job clamping down on the corners, guarding pick and rolls with two guys, um, trademark. Uh, qualities that had them that they've had on defense for years, and I tried to mention. Did. Sorry, I keep cutting you off today, Mike. I, I just Jesus wanna... Rohan. <laughs> well, there was something I thought you could sense it from the Bucks after Game Two when they were talking about their defense. That was the night the Suns shot twenty of forty from three, and basically went nuts. But I think the Bucks they weirdly had a confidence about them after that game where they were like, it seemed like they figured it out. We can do what we did tonight, not cheat off the shooters, and we might be on to something, and they've won three games since then. I wrote the recap, I believe, after game two for SI on the site, and one of my three big takeaways was that the Bucks figured everything out. Not everything, but they figured <laughs> a lot of stuff out on defense. And and at I the same that that time would... and at the same time, just, no, game. why don't you just cut me cut me off again, please? Do you want me to start at the next sentence and then you can just jump in and uh, I'm, just so, <laughs> I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited. I know you're chopping at the bit. I love your energy. Game. Go ahead. Go ahead and make your point. And I think we agree that the Bucks have played great defensively since then, right? And then the Suns still put up a historic shooting night in game five. All five starters over 50%. They shot bananas from three, and it's still a coin flip game coming down. To the final 20 seconds. That's just the beauty of this series where it feels like both teams are executing so well. And yeah, it's just been awesome. It's just been awesome. Do you have an issue at all going back to what we were saying about Devin uh, let Booker? Me, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you have an issue at all with, you know, I think their, their offense looked very similar to... Um, like the 2018 Rockets for stretches where Devin Booker is just, you know, Drew Holiday in the first quarter, Drew Holiday picks up his second foul very quickly and he gets subbed out. Pat Connaughton comes into the game. They hunt him immediately. They have Mikel Bridges come up and set a ball screen for Devin Booker immediately, drag Pat Connaughton into the action and Devin Booker cooks him for a pull up to. Um, they basically ran that until 
but was like, okay, we need to put Drew Holiday back in the game. I don't care if he's got two fouls. And that kind of progressed throughout the ball game. Devin Booker had more isolations in this game than any other in the playoffs. And at times it was very successful. At times, you know, Pat Connaughton, who honestly was like a, he's like the seventh best player in this series, which Pat is Connaughton? Like, when are we having the Pat Connaughton finals MVP discussion? That's coming. Con- That's coming later. Pat Connaughton, listen, he's having this series of his life. He's shooting 50% from three. I think he's 15 of 30. And I think he's going to lose some switches, but he's won some too. He competes. Yeah. And he'll draw fouls. And he's been tremendous on the glass and the offensive glass in particular. And. He looks super confident hitting those threes, and Bryn Forbes is basically out of the rotation now, and so they need Pat Connaughton to yeah. hit these threes, um, um, and he has. So I think the question you're kind of getting at is, do you like that, that that ISO look? I mean, I think the Suns themselves were kind of, you know, upset with their lack of ball movement. That was a, a theme that emerged from their post-game press conference where you know, they were talking about, we need more ball movement. It's tough because I do think, to a degree, that's also the nature of playoff basketball, right? You're going to hunt a guy until the coach is forced to adjust. In this game, it backfired because Drew came in. But, I mean, what if Drew picks up two more fouls, et cetera? You know, they put the Bucks in a high-pressure moment by forcing them to play Drew with those two fouls. It just so happened to work out. I mean, he's also a very smart player. He had a a funny moment after Game 5 where – he was asked about playing with those two fouls, and he was like, I knew I just had to be smarter, and he was like, my first foul, whatever. He was like, my second foul, I'm coming around to screen, and Booker stops and falls. And he's like, that's a foul, but I knew like, I, I didn't have to. He was basically insinuating he knows that he, he can avoid those ones a little bit more easily moving forward. So, yeah, I I, I don't know that I, I hate that strategy only because to a degree, I think that's a huge part about playoff basketball. I mean – if you think back a series ago, we're kind of – or throughout the playoffs, right, we're always like, why aren't teams hunting Trey Young? Like, what's going on? Like, why are they – you know, get out of your offense to hunt this one defender. So did they strike the perfect balance? Maybe not. Maybe if they're running too many Booker isolations. But if they're not attacking the mismatch, maybe we're calling them out for that, you know? Yeah, I I, I personally don't have an issue with mismatch basketball in the playoffs – I I think it's super smart. I think the Bucks have done a really good job of it with Chris Middleton. They've done a really good job out of, of it with when Giannis is the pick and roll ball handler. It's like Brooke Lopez isn't coming up to set the screen and he goes at like Crowder or whoever on a drop. It's like they bring um usually it's Mikael Bridges who they're attacking, but they have an idea or it's campaign when campaigns in the game or Chris Paul. But like they have a plan in place. They want, they know who they want to set the screen. And Giannis has been just kind of, I mean, they should do it a little bit more, maybe, honestly. Um, he has a lot of success as the, the screener and the roller and diving for lobs and all that. But like Giannis handling the ball in the pick and roll has also been super effective and they haven't really gone to it a lot. So we when, could see that more. Um, when Middleton is screening for him, isn't that funny to me or funny to you? Because I think about other great, you know, playoff teams. Where when it comes down to it, they just run the same play over and over again. Like how many Jokic Murray pick and rolls do you think we saw in that Jazz Nuggets series 
or how many do you remember Steph and Draymond ending the Paul and Harden Rockets by just running the Steph yeah, Dre pick game. and roll? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> over and over again. And like Bud for like has never been that guy, like just spamming one play over and over. Like there's probably no Giannis should probably set a high screen on every single possession if we're being honest. Like he's that just destructive when he's rolling to the rim. The problem is he's so effective so many other ways, but they could almost afford to run their best plays more often. The Suns certainly don't shy away from it. No, they the Suns have their bread and butter, and they go to it over and over and over again, and they get reads out of it, and it's very effective for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Man, this series is just, like, so much fun. Um, I feel like... Is there anything, like, we... I guess... Okay, so going forward, um, Game 6 is obviously tomorrow night... I don't know, like, I feel like we're post-adjustments, honestly, in this series. I'm not expecting to see anything crazy. Um, maybe the Kaminsky front court, if they're getting battered on the on the glass in the first half, maybe we'll see that in the second half if they're down and they're feeling kind of desperate. Besides that, I don't, I don't really know, like, if either team needs to change anything. I think that the shot-making has been... Either both teams are missing their threes or both teams are making their threes kind of thing. And we're just seeing some great basketball. And I, I have no idea who's going to win this series. I, I'm leaning towards Bucks in part because they are up and they have two chances to win one game. And I get paid big money for having ideas like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, do you feel like... I don't know. What are you feeling going forward with these two teams? Like, what are you expecting at it in game six? Well, it's funny that you bring up the adjustments thing because I asked Bud about that and I was curious too. Like, you're so deep into the season at this point, right? Like, what are you going to unlock? Like, I asked him, I was like, two days, like, everyone talks about the losing team making adjustments. What does the winning team do after you've won two in a row? And Bud was kind of like, it's a little bit of everything. There's always stuff you feel like you can improve on, but you just want to focus mentally, play our game, et cetera. And I thought it was, in fact, like a very revealing answer that I just did a poor job of paraphrasing there. But point being, you're right, Mike. Like, these teams have played, you know, over 100 games now. They're not going to magically come out with something in game six of the NBA Finals. It really is put your best five out there and, you know, hoop. Uh, I the Kaminsky thing is really interesting that you bring that up because if you're Monty Williams, you have to have a number in your head where you're like, I how, I need to give this X minutes to see if it works. But how many of those minutes am I willing to commit to if the first forty five seconds go terribly? You know, and that's what scares me about making a Kaminsky adjustment is, let's say your plan was to only play him. For four minutes, okay? Let's say you're trying to get Aiton down to 40 minutes. You're going to go small for four. You're going to play Kaminsky for four. Or you're going to bring him out with Aiton, whatever. How many of those minutes are you willing to commit to if the first possession he gets switched onto someone and gets dunked on, etc.? That is what makes coaching in these moments so hard. It's what makes these series yep. so good and so thrilling. It's what can you live with, what can you take away, etc. So that's why, for me, personally... Someone who's deathly afraid of the pressure. I'm not changing anything because, yeah, man, if you're Monty Williams and you're going to take like a Kaminsky risk, like it's terrifying, man. It's terrifying. That's really putting yourself out on a limb. 
It is, and I'm like trying to figure out what the matchups would even be if Chris Paul is also on the floor. It's like, okay, so we got Chris Paul and P.J. Tucker. We got Aiton on Giannis. Who is Frank Kaminsky? I mean, isn't guarding? the real move bringing Kaminsky on when the Bucks are basically don't have Giannis on the floor? Like, shouldn't Aiton only play the minutes Giannis plays? Matching minutes with Giannis would be smart with Aiton, but when, like, I don't know. Because I, I, sometimes I, they're playing Brooke with no Giannis, and that right, team is... and Bobby play. Portis, and good luck getting a rebound if you don't have Aiton on the floor. Who's rebounding for you? Kaminsky um, like, and Jay Crowder? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Bobby Portis is out there to grab buckets and look crazy, and he's doing just a tremendous job, both A-plus performance out of him in Game 5. Um Love it. He texted me a. Uh, he t- I don't even know whoa, if I should be saying Whoa, wow. <laughs> You're just going to drop a Bobby Portis text in the middle of the finals? Shouldn't he, he be texted, busy? <laughs> he texted me a, a flex emoji. Um, not out of the blue. I texted him the, our, our interview. I was like, hey, here's the link to our interview, man. Thanks so much. And he texted me the flex emoji and then said, appreciate your time. And then he gave me the, the heart love tap. Um, reaction so I we're basically with, best friends now i did that with uh james jones i was like here's the and then he didn't text me back. <laughs> 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 oh Listen, well that was wonderful bobby um, portis had that i'm serious that personal 6-0 run in the second and that is just those are the the sequences that swing finals games man and it's like that's why it's so crazy it's like we can spend all these time talking about adjustments and these, and it's like, yeah, Bobby Porter scored six straight points because he hit a three rebound. And it's like, that's, you know, you can pick out those little moments and man, it's been a hell of a series. And like I said, like I am shout out to house of highlights, YouTube channel. Um, but they need like a better playlist structure. Like I need a playlist of like the throwback highlights because I love watching old finals highlights and old finals games. And even just watching, I watched like 2016, I've watched 2010 recently, um, like some 2019, like the level of execution in this series has been so high where it's like, it's not just the shot making, but it's like the defenses are, are actually playing well, as crazy as that sounds. It's just these teams are so sophisticated at this point and so good at getting to what they want to get to. It's been awesome. The defense has happened, Gray. I mean, I think about Aiton trapping Chris Middleton, pick and rolls, and then having to recover back into the paint against when he's supposed to be like guarding Giannis. I mean, like this stuff is just very high level. The margin for error again is just like it's a hair right now yeah. for these defenses. I, I also want to say one more thing about Drew Holiday because I think this happened either earlier in the fourth or sometime in the second half where um, the Bucks miss a shot. I think Devin Booker has the ball under the hoop, like defensive rebound. And like Holiday just kind of sneaks into the paint and strips the ball. I remember mm-hmm. like literally like saying on press row, like a, like an old immigrant dad, I was like, what a steal. What a steal. Like just so – and yeah, just foreshadowing that like he was going to do that later. Like he's been so good and so exciting to watch and good for him after the offensive struggles. And listen, I was the dude who wrote – after game two, like, hey, Giannis is going to have one of the best finals ever in a losing performance if his teammates don't step him up. 
And since mm-hmm. then, Middleton and Drew have been incredible. Typical, you just weren't patient. You got to be patient, my man. It's a long Am series. I pa- patient, or did I, in fact, motivate them to put on this performance? They, no, you're right. They, they go on SI.com the next morning, just like everyone here, and yes. they said, whoa, whoa, this guy's right. You know, Drew looks at Chris. He's I like, have are to you, play better. Are you, are you reading the same thing? We should maybe try start making some shots, huh? So you know, you're you're welcome, Milwaukee. Yes, thank you, Rohan, for that um, enlightening message um, to Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Loyal, I'm sure they're loyal listeners and loyal readers of SA.com. Um, Can I tell you who Rohan, I will not, not be loyal sure. to, real quick? Yes. So I had a free night in Phoenix, and I went to go see Black Widow at a local movie theater. Why do people go to the movies in the summer, Mike? It's to escape the heat. You know what I mean? Yes. yes. This is the hottest damn movie theater I've sat in my entire life, just sweating my ass off for two and a half hours. I was so mad. I was so mad. Did you enjoy Black Widow? Black Widow was fine, but I will not be returning to the AMC Arizona Center 24 anytime soon. Oh, damn. You had to shut him out like that. Wow. <laughs> Brutal. Um, Rohan, this was fun. Uh, I will say real quick, I will never watch a Marvel movie. Um, I don't know if that's just like going to cut off a bunch of our listeners here, but I'm never? not a Marvel fan. So I, I am. I mean, I've seen a few. It's just it's it's uh, this is a whole different discussion. But no, I'm not. I'm not with it. Not okay. with the movement. It's I think not, it's a scam. It's not cinema, Michael Pena. It's a, it's 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 a yeah no one hundred percent. Me and Marty are uh, we're on the same team here. Um, but no, I think that that'll do it for our show today. Uh, this was a lot of fun, Rowan, and and you and I and Chris will be back later this week to talk about Game Six, which is hopefully another classic. We've had two in a row. Hopefully, we get another one. Um, Thanks so much for all of our to all of our listeners for the wonderful emails. Um, please send more in. We can't get enough. Uh, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Again, the three of us will be back later this week on Wednesday and potentially on Friday, but I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. We might have a three-episode week here, folks. So, uh, everyone, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for sending those emails. Uh, Everyone stay safe, um, and everyone enjoy Game 6 of the NBA Finals. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s, dance away with hip hop beats, and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Zumo Play. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. 